Good morning. So we have tables and chairs up front now for those of you that like something more stable to write on. And uh, I asked one of my mentors in the audience today, why aren't you sitting at a table? And they said, because I'm lazy and I'll put my hand on my chin and fall asleep. And that's good. It's good to fall asleep in here. I fell asleep for five years when I came to the science of mind because there was so much happening in the consciousness. But I kept showing up and I kept apologizing to the minister and saying, I'm sorry, I'm snoring in the back all the time. And she was lovely. She said, well, maybe it's because you're exhausted. And I was. Because I was doing it all on my own. I was white-knuckling it. Because if I was going to get done, I had to do it. And I had to do everything. Which was a huge mistake. But it was part of my journey. Part of my learning. So good morning. If you're here for the first time, welcome. If you brought a friend, awesome. Um, if you're here for the thousandth time, bless you so much for being part of this movement. This is powerful. So what we're going to do is, and I'm very, very uh, eager to participate in our ritual today. We have a beautiful ritual we do annually, and January is a really wonderful month to do those things in. So if you're here for, for that today, and um, look forward to that as well. So I'm going to invite you to drop into 30 seconds of silence, and then I will offer a song, a chant that you're welcome to sing along if you know it bit of the soundtrack of my life, my soul, and then I will offer an affirmative prayer. So let's begin with the silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very So know with me, and I invite you to allow my words to be your words. If they aren't a good fit, just let them wash over you. But what I affirm and know in this moment from the, the core of my being is I know that there is one life, one source of all life that animates everything. And it is influenced by individual consciousness. It is receptive. It says yes to every request. Every thought is an intention. Our way of being, our subjective nature, our joys, our celebrations, our disappointments, our challenges, all influence that presence that always says, you are the beloved with whom I am well pleased, that waits with bated breath for our next thought in service to us. 
And so I know that something beautiful and powerful is emerging here and now, in and through and as each person, that we are in the business of transformation, transforming lives, and giving birth to the greater yet to be to the newness that seeks expression upon this planet. And so to come into this awareness, into this discussion today, to know that the words spoken this day are divinely guided, that there is an opening, a doorway that is wide open and a threshold that we step through energetically. And to listen to not just the words, but the silence between the words. To listen to ourselves, to that divine presence as well. And so it is a, a symphony of love, of support, of possibility and inspiration. For this I give thanks, knowing that this day is an absolute success for each and every one of us at some level of our being on our unique and beautiful journey of discovery, of revelation, of healing. For this I give thanks invite you to say with me and so it is well awesome so we have people wearing name badges right and so I want to just I noticed and in, 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 in it's beautiful because sometimes I don't remember your names even if I've known you for years it's like too much information and but so I put my name badge on it says Reverend Patrick here I want to show you how not to put your name badge on because a few people are doing this now if you put your name badge on um, under here and then do that no good if you put your name badge on and you have long, beautiful, flowing locks that cover your name badge, no good. So I'm just letting you know that you may want to be mindful of that, that if you can't see your name badge, it doesn't really matter to have a name badge on. So I just wanted to demonstrate a little bit of name badge protocol for you so that we're all on the same page. And then when we greet, greet one another, we know one another's names. So I'm going to invite you to stand up and, and uh, look at your neighbor and say, good morning. Well, let's all stand up. Come on, I know it's a, it's a Sunday morning. Let's stand up and just say, Good morning. I am so happy you are here today. I see the face of God before me. You are an agent of change. A presence of transformation. And a blessing to this planet. Give them a high five or a hug or uh, whatever's appropriate. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Very cool. There we go. That shifts the, the energy in the room. All right. The, the tribe has spoken. Beautiful, beautiful. Lots of wonderful things happening here. Uh, this, this board of trustees that we have uh, is amazing. I mean, they have done meeting after meeting after meeting of planting seeds and giving you information because there's a lot happening here. This, this community is on fire with possibility and opportunity. And we're going for it. We're going for it. We don't have any time to waste. You look at the struggle and the ignorance and the prejudice and the misogyny and the, the xenophobia that's going on in the world. We've got to stand up in our own hearts and our own consciousness to the best of our ability and love one another and transform our own lives, our own biases and prejudice and misogyny and all that stuff. We can participate in, and that's part of life. So we don't, we don't defeat it, but we, we, we integrate it into our lives. I'm going to share a little bit about that today. So we are doing our burning bowl ceremony today. Um, I'm just going to put a little light on this. Let me light a candle. There we go. Got her. So in the old days, we used to... Um, have people come up and light their 
piece of paper, for those of you that remember that. It was always exciting. We had a young girl one year that, she did this. Okay, just show you, it's easier to. Did that, because that's what most people did. And she did that and started her hair on fire. So I have a glass of water over here, just for that occasion. And then there are other, so it, it really took away from the sacredness of lighting the piece of paper in the release, right? And then we have other people that, that go like that and put it out. So what we've done is we're going to have you place your piece of paper in this crystal bowl like that, and we'll light them all together, okay? Eliminates all that excitement. It only, oh, yeah. I know what you guys want. You want a, fire, you want a pyrotechnic show. So I'm just telling you, so your piece of paper will represent your intention. And I start working with that right now. I'd start working with that right now. What is it you're willing to release? And you don't have to understand all of it. And think big, 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 big. What limitation are you carrying? Because that's your way of being, that you're so certain that life's not for you. You're so certain as I was for the majority of my life that I had to do it all myself. I would work 90 hours a week, no problem, every week. And I was still broke all the time. I was too tired to cook a meal. Yeah, you know, all of that stuff. Put it down. What do you want to put down? And maybe you don't know, but put down something that doesn't align with your highest and best good. You don't have to know the, the exact specifics of it, but you're going to make a pilgrimage today at the end of this lesson and put something in this bowl that says, I'm ready. I don't know, but something within me does know, and I release anything and everything that is in opposition to my highest and best. See? You can make it really simple. It's a simple teaching. So anyway, something wonderful is happening here, and I love that. I love my life. Man, oh man, it's such a good song. Robbie Williams wrote that for his children. He's, an, he's a British uh, uh, singer, and he wrote the song, I Love My Life, because he said, you know, I won't be there all the time for you, but I know that you'll get through it, is what that song is saying. So it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So we're practicing, and we're talking about this, um, the first service. There's two different services this year, two different talks, which is been great for me because it's really forced me to up my game. So we're changing things. We're looking at the way we do things. So if you sit in the same chair all the time, maybe the big change for you is to sit on the other side one Sunday. It'd be, it'd be amazing for you and spectacular. You think I'm kidding, but we get so fixed in, hey, Reverend, someone's sitting in my chair. Really? Let's go check your chair out. I don't see a name badge on this chair. You might have to sit somewhere else, you know. Just saying. So if you feel guided to come up and sit at a table because you want to be closer to the action, my buddy David Leonard, one of my heroes, in the second service talked about values and who your heroes are. And I'm going to talk about one of my heroes today, but David Leonard was one of my heroes, early mentors in this movement. Because I didn't think I could be a minister in this movement for a lot of reasons. I had, all, I had a whole list, and he kept me going. He kept me going. And he would always come to each minister's conference and sit in the front row, first chair because he wanted to drink it in. He didn't want to miss anything. He wanted to be in the energy. And I always loved that about him. I still love that about him. Always eager to learn, always open and available. See, it's part of this values thing that we understand is what are you willing to learn this year? It's not just about, oh, I value this and I value this, but what are you willing to learn? What, what's, what's your learning curve? What's my learning curve? Two talks, this, when, Steve, when Steve Sandy said, I think we should do a science of mind talk and another talk and a second one, I said, are you out of your mind? You know how much work it is to get one done? And he just laughed at me. He had no compassion for me, no empathy. He wouldn't identify with my suffering. And then I thought about it, I go, that's a great idea. And it is, it's fun, because it's just, it just immerses me in the teaching more. 
And it's good for me. It's good for me to be immersed in, in something that is so life-giving and an aliveness. So I'm just telling you that you never know until you try it. All righty. So today is the second chapter of the textbook. This morning's early service. The second service, we're going to look at uh, the, the book five. Where do you want to be in five years? So philosophically, spiritually, energetically, we're laying the groundwork here. And it's perfect. And then we springboard into some of the, the strategies that we can bring the spirituality and the consciousness to. So today is The Way It Works, which is the title of the second um, chapter in the, in the textbook. And the three areas I want to talk about today are energy unceasingly seeking an outlet. It requires receptivity and the power of belief. It's a beautiful chapter. It's only about six pages in the front of the textbook. Anybody want to borrow my textbook? Sit at a table here. You can borrow my very... This has been blessed. It's got the marking, the highlights in it. You can look at it, read it. Anybody? There you go. Thanks. As long as I can get it back at the end because I need it for next week. Thank you. What is your name? Susan. Susan, thank you. So if you, if you want to check and see if I'm accurate, Susan has the book right now. Awesome. So there's Ernest Holmes, our founder. We are celebrating 100 years of the science. Oh, I forgot that. Thank you, Carrie. So we have notebooks for you. If you'd like to, a notebook, we're, we're selling them for a toonie. If you don't have a toonie this week, bring your toonie back next week. That's what this table is, table of notebooks. We've put it far away from the burning bowl so we don't start the notebooks on fire. But if you'd like a notebook, come on up and grab a notebook. If you left your notebook at home and you need a second one, and some of you brought it back this week, so good for you. It's all new behavior. I've got one in my office, too. So I'm going to grab one so I can illustrate it. But they're beautiful, different colors. It's for one subject. The subject is you. All right. So, seeking ener energy seeking an outlet. And there's, there's pencils there, too. We're, we're giving the pencils away. So, the first slide is the science of mind teaching symbol. Dr. Holmes has used this when you come and take classes with us. The next uh, slide is actually a little bit of it illustrated. Universal conscious mind or spirit. And it, it is the descent of thought through this medium that he would call the subconscious or the soul or the soil. We plant that seed by thought and it descends. And at the bottom, so it's divided into three, three sections there, and the bottom is called the particularization or the unconscious form mirror of matter. So it's where we give birth to something. So we have an idea, we plant the seed, things happen in our lives, people come in, we get training, we want to do something. We have to move our feet. We have to do something. It requires spiritual coin. And then we have a result. Pretty simple, right? But this is his teaching symbol. So when you see that, that's what that's referring to. The way it works. So, number one, energy un unceasingly seeking an outlet. So all this stuff comes from the chapter, but I want to just expand upon it because it's so, so simple and basic. It's foundational for us and powerful. Holmes says there is a universal mind, spirit, intelligence that is the origin of everything. It is first cause. So you hear in class, when you take a class, you'll hear about first cause quite a bit. First cause is that, that source of all life. He also says it's God. The universal life energy finds an outlet in and through all that is energized and through everything that lives. So it's always seeking expression through us. Always. It's always seeking expression. So we have been, uh, we have been experimenting here and in introducing this Q process to our community. And last, in the second service, if you stayed or you stay this week or you, whatever, and you, or you can buy a CD, so it's available. It's, we're not limiting your opportunity, but, but we know some people can't stay for two services. But here's the deal. We want to we help transform your lives. I want my life transformed. I want to be an example of all the things Ernest Holmes talks about. And so I move in that direction. 
But what I know about it is part of this journey that you have to accept is I will fail. I will fail at times. But what I've reached a point in my own life is that just because I fail doesn't mean I quit. Just because I get triggered. So this Q process is really looking at our triggers. It's looking at those areas in our lives where, where we get sidetracked, where we feel like we've got to revenge ourselves, or we, we get depressed, we, we pull back, we don't participate fully. So in looking at values in our second service, and talking about people, looking at people you admire, Carl Jung is one of my heroes, and I've been studying Jung's life for a long time, and will continue to do so because it's so rich and deep. Carl Jung was one of the first people, he was a contemporary of Sigmund Freud, and then they had a parting of the ways because Jung felt it was really important around integration, about this integration of shadow. And, and it is crucial. We are at a point in our movement where we need to step up. And in introducing this cue, I've had a discussion with uh, Dr. Gary Simmons who put together the cue process. He'll be back in February. If you've done it once, come back for a second round. I'm going to keep going through it and through it and through it. I want to go through the facilitation training. I want it to become part of my way of being. And it's already made a huge difference. I notice now when I start to get triggered. And then I ask myself, first thing is, well, do you want to have to write a sheet about this or do you want to move into a, a, an awareness of this has come for you as well? Do you want to have to go spend 15 minutes writing about this? Or do you want to get over it right now? And sometimes I still have to go write the sheet. But Carl Jung was addressing a group of clergy in Switzerland. And I love this. This is from a speech. If you, if you Google Carl Jung uh, address to clergy, this will come up. And it was written by Alan Watts, actually. And Alan Watts really admired Carl Jung. Carl Jung was, was courageous, fearless. He understood about integration. He understood the totality of his being. That to be, he believed in wholeness. Wholeness was his, his, his core value and numinous experience that everyone should have this experience of spirituality. But without integration of the light and the dark, we can't have the fullness of it. And he said this, he's addressing the, the, the clergy. This is right from his words. He said he would not, or um, I'm sorry, Alan Watts' words. He would not condemn the things in others and would therefore not be led into those thoughts, feelings, and acts of violence towards others which are always characteristic of the people who project the devil in themselves upon the outside, upon somebody else, upon the scapegoat. So when we get triggered and we start to point fingers, all of a sudden we go into what we would call in this movement separation. Now there's a, there's a devil present within us. And Holmes said there's no such thing. That's duality. Most people live in duality. Modern uh, philosophical thinking and theological thinking is there's a devil, there's a force for good, a force for evil. So Jung understood that when he was starting to point his finger, it was that darkness within him that he was projecting on another, the scapegoating. The Jewish tradition, they would bring a goat in every year, and, and they would have a sharp knife, and they would they'd come up, those that needed to stab the goat, they'd stab the goat, and then they would let the goat go off into the wilderness to die. I mean, that, was, that was their ritual. I mean, I, 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 Becky's up here frowning. I'm frowning too, but that was it. That's, what scapego that's where scapegoating comes from. Let's put all of our sins on this poor, defenseless animal and let's kill it and send it off into the wilderness. So then, so what Young said, he said, he said this, that certain patients' confessions, dealing with clergy, certain patients' confessions are even hard for a doctor to swallow. Yet the patient does not feel himself accepted unless the very worst in him is accepted too. This is healing. This is having the capacity to listen to someone's awful, awful stuff and not get triggered. To be able to stand firm in the ability to know the truth of someone, because that's not their truth. That's what they've done, but it's not who they are. And so 
He said, um, Young said, no one can bring this about by mere words. It comes only through reflection and through the doctor's attitude towards himself and his own dark side. In other words, when we own all of our darkness, we can sit with anybody. It doesn't mean we endorse it. It just doesn't, it means we don't have to be tripwired to scapegoat and point fingers. Because what happens then, we create an opening where healing can take place, where transformation can take place. That's the possibility. But how many of us, we're so, we are so tripwired to condemn and blame, point fingers. And that's, that's just a popular idea. That's called the race consciousness. If the doctor wants to guide another or even accompany him a step of the way, he must feel that person's psyche. He never feels it when he passes judgment. See, we can't connect when we're judging one another. We move into separation. I'm separate from you because you, you don't live your life the way I think you should live your life. It's called judgment. So how do we have the discernment to go, you know, I wouldn't do that. If I were you, I wouldn't do that. That doesn't work for me. I have people all the time that want to partner with me in a, in a limiting idea. And I say, you know, you keep, if you come to me three times and tell me the same story, I can't work with you anymore. You just, it's, until you're ready to put the story down, there's no hope. And I, want to, and I want to spend my time and energy with people that are interested in, in transformation. I'm not interested in somebody showing up in my life and having all the answers. That's your problem to begin with. And I'm not condemning it. I just, I discern. I'm not going to wallow in somebody else's story forever and ever and ever. It doesn't help. I won't support it. I won't recognize it. I'll love you unconditionally. But you've got you to be willing to let a new idea come forth. And this is what Young is talking about. He never feels it when he passes judgment. Whether he puts his judgment into words or keeps them to himself, it makes not the slightest difference. So when we, think, when we find ourselves judging someone, they know. They know. Whether we put it in words or just know it. There's an energetic that gets communicated. To take the opposite position and to agree with the, the patient, okay, let's make this, let's play nice. Oh, you do this and this and this. Let's play nice. To take the opposite position and agree with the patient offhanded is also of no use. It estranges him as much as condemnation. So it's being real. It's being authentic. It's just saying, I don't agree with that. It's standing in that. This sounds almost like scientific percept, and it could be confused with purely intellectual abstract attitude of mind. But what Jung is talking about is something quite different. He's talking about a spiritual experience and a consciousness, and it takes a fierceness. It takes a commitment to this. This doesn't come easy. That's why we're doing the cue, so that we can live in a sense of discomfort in joy, to live in a sense of discomfort and not lose ourselves. Because it's uncomfortable when we're confronting this stuff. But, but we must do this, individually and collectively. I mean, look what's going on politically in the world. That's condemnation, it's judgment. We're better, we have the right way. You know, Laura and I have been watching the, the Vietnam War series by Ken Burns, and we've just been working our way through it. It's absolute insanity. It's as if the world went crazy altogether. They have this, this war that took thousands of lives, trillions of dollars for nothing. It's insanity. I'm so grateful to have that. I'm looking and I go, oh my gosh, this is what keeps me in the game. Keeps me in the game. Good morning, welcome. So anyway, with this cue, so what happens with the cue is you identify your values, who you've come here to be. Who did you come here to be? And I'm going to read you my cue card today. First of all, when you take it, you find out who you come here not to be. I came here not to be alone. I came here not to be flawed. I came here not to be self-centered. I came here not to be fearful. I came here not to live in lack, disappointment, and I added broken. I came here not to be those things. 
So you start with what you don't want to be. And then you move to who you've come here to be. And I have come here to be grounded. I've come here to be generous. For me, being generous means I got more than enough pressed down and overflowing. Wherever I want to give my good, I can share it. It might be financial, it might be energy, it might be consciousness. So when I do these talks and I think, oh, I should save that for later, I don't save anything. Maybe it doesn't fit what I'm doing, but I'll give everything I got. Give the best. Bring my best. So when I get done with this, I walk down that aisle and I ask myself silently, did you bring your best today? And I better be able to tell myself yes. And if I haven't done it, I bring my best next week. I'll do better. I don't spend any time beating myself up. Because it doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve me. But I know that I'm on that leading edge. I came here to be courageous. I came here to be whole. I came here to, to love. I came here to have compassion. And I came here to be present. So that gives me a roadmap of values that are precious to me. So when I say identify your values, which I asked the second group last week, and we're going to talk about that, how we write our, write our mission statement for ourselves, that's who I've come here to be. So when I'm on my cue card, what I do is then I go back and say, if I've been on my cue card when I'm doing my writing and when I get triggered, what, what quality had I been in would have made the situation different? I had a lot of tr struggles as a young boy. I had a father that was very, very punitive. And all he really understood was, well, he, didn't, he didn't use his words, okay? And so there were a lot of times when, when there was a beating that was involved with my interaction with him. I, was usually re I usually received that. And I finally have shifted that trigger for me, because it's, it's a trigger, a lifelong trigger, of how somebody could do that to a little, little boy. And I realized that had I been in courage, so my cue quality to go back and rescript that is, I am an eternal soul. And I showed up in this man's life in, I now show up in courage and I understand that when he was, was gifting me with the beatings he didn't know how to do anything else he didn't have it in his bandwidth and so I'm an eternal being and I stand in courage now as I witness it and I realize that I was there as an outlet for him I was there and he didn't, you know, he didn't break any bones but, he was, but all the stuff that goes along with that when you're hoping that the person that should be one of your primary caretakers isn't able to offer the things that you're looking for. But the beautiful thing about it is, is the things we don't get as children become our gifts later in life. So without him in my life, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing. And I think what I'm doing is pretty fun and exciting, challenging, heartbreaking, celebratory. Wouldn't have it any other way. And so what I want to be able to do is write a story about that that loves him and honors him because he did the best he could. He had no clue. He really didn't have a clue. And it was a time, it was a time when that was the way most of us were reared. You know, spare the rod, spoil the child. So anyway, it requires receptivity. The next point is it requires receptivity. We now know that this is what we are because we could not be anything else, but we do not know how much of this we are. We don't realize how much of this we are. We just don't. Because the world will tell us things and, and take us in directions and, 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 and people will, will blame us and shame us because what they, are they doing when they do that? They're projecting their own unhealed stuff. Don't pick it up anymore. It's not mine. No, no, let that bounce away like a rubber ball. Let it roll into the corner. You can always go pick that ball up if you're a worthless worm if you need to. It's there. But what we want to do is integrate it and realize, hmm, okay, that is part of me. 
And now that I've owned that, I don't have to put that on anybody else. Doesn't mean I live from it. I have the discernment. You have a choice to be any way you want to be. <clears throat> so I put the slide back up because someone loved it last week. This is Dr. Seuss. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you're the only one who'll decide where you go. Isn't that beautiful? Now, if you want to take a picture of that, somebody asked me last week, get your phone out, take a picture of that. We'll leave that up. Somebody said, where can I get that quote? And I said, well, you've got to buy that book five. That's where I got it. It was in the second service. Yeah, I'll leave that up for a second. So we'll get this slide up for you. The thing that then works for us by working through us and is us always. It cannot work for us in any other way. It spreads itself over the whole universe and shouts at us from every angle but it can become power to us only as we recognize its power. There's a power for good. There's a power for me. And I'm going to live my life. I'm going to let that fill every, every pore of my being. And where I'm triggered, where I am blocked, I get my opportunity then is to re-script that. You are powerful. Do you know who the most important person is? To tell yourself that you are powerful and capable and beautiful. The most important person you. You decide, not me, you, to live from power and grace and beauty and joy and opportunity. And so you step into that and you start looking at it and you go, wow, that triggers me. I can't do that because my mom told me this. I love, love Bring that grace and beauty and forgiveness and insight and wisdom to that relationship. Put it down. It's never going to go away. You just grow beyond it. Carl Jung said, we don't forget. We just grow beyond it. There's a bigger you waiting to happen. There is. The bigger you waiting to happen, it's just, it's right here now. The thing then works for us by working through us and is us, always. It cannot work for us in any other way. It spreads itself over the whole universe and shouts at us from every angle. But it can become power to us only as we recognize it as power. If God, Dr. Holmes says the same chapter, if God has interpreted himself to man, he must interpret himself through us, through man, through woman. He just used man because it's 1926. You know, and then the general neutral stuff, but he, he would have made it general neutral. A spirit can make no gift that we do not accept. What gift are you keeping away from you? What gift? It wasn't any accident for me that I chose my dad and my mom. It was perfect. It's perfect. I get it. I don't understand all of it, but I'm available to the guidance. One of the, the things that's been a great healing for me in my life as I've gotten older. Because my father, for, many, for, for a lot of it, I felt betrayed by my dad. I felt betrayed by my grandfather, too, and I loved him. I just felt betrayed because he, he, he took off when I was 10. He was the touchstone of love in our family. And then he died. And there was nobody. Nobody. Nobody around. love like that guy and so I get it but he planted a seed with me and, and that's what I live from is his values and who he was I have a granddaughter I have two granddaughters and a grandson and when I'm with them I call him in I have a little granddaughter that Laura always says she's obsessed with you because she gets that 
love. She gets the love. And it's not words, it's not gifts, it's not manipulation, it's presencing. And they, you know, the kids ask, them, what are you doing? What's going on with her? I'm just being that presence that I knew as a kid. It's a beautiful gift. And my parents were busy. They were, they were running as fast as they could. It was about having as many kids as you could and, and getting to mass every day. And, you know, and their world was their world. That was their dream. They lived their dream. God love them. It's not my dream. I bless them. Holmes says, therefore, our belief sets the limits to the use of our principle, which of itself is without limit. This is without limit. It is not a question of willingness nor of its ability. It is entirely a question of our receptivity. How much good can we demonstrate? Just what one can believe. The power of belief. What you can believe, you can demonstrate. Learn how to believe. Transform it. Be uncomfortable. Be willing. Learn something new. Stretch, grow. We're going to talk about thinking big. It's a five-year plan. At the end of this month, I'm going to say, why has it got to be five years? Why can't it be five weeks, five months? You're the one that sets the limitation. Let's grow into it. Let's realize we are works, we are works of art. We are works in progress. We are the ones that set the limitation and the governors on it. How much good can we demonstrate? Just what one can believe. How much can we see? How much can we accept? How much can we find in our own consciousness that is no longer repudiated by our own denials? Whatever that is, that much we can have. We're here to have and celebrate life. Not have stuff so it identifies us. Have stuff to celebrate life. Have stuff to to share. To be an example of this teaching. If you lived from that kind of joy, do you realize people would be kicking your doors down? No one has has yet embodied this sense of joy. People have come close. So, our summary, so we can get into our our, our big fire here today. Because I want you to think about this as you come forward. What are you willing to give up? Put down, and you you don't have to know all of the ways and means right now, but make it big. A sense of lack, an agreement with, with lack and limitation, that you're not loved, that, that you don't have perfect health. This divine intelligence within us can only respond to who and what we are. And then how do I go about the business of creating that new opportunity, that new possibility? We must sow our, our seeds in faith, knowing as we give something up, we create space for the newness. The law is impersonal. doesn't matter who we are. doesn't matter our history. It responds to our subjective nature of being right now. And if you're angry about something, that is going to influence your outcome. It's how it works. It can be doing no other thing. If you're upset, how about stepping into wisdom and realizing this has all come for me? To re-script our lives. To re-script all of it so that, that we create a new container of possibility. That's what I want for you. Good is without bounds. Holmes talks about it. There's no evil. He talks about evil and the devil. There's no devil. There's no evil. That's just a boogeyman story we made up. That's the mindset of a, a five-year-old. It can only work for... Now, there's evil in the world. I'm not denying that. There is evil in the world, but this, this infinite, pristine, beautiful, energetic, at its best, is goodness and love. It can only work for us by working through us, and let us accept more good today than we did yesterday. Simple. More good than we did today than yesterday. So I'm going to invite you to take your piece of paper, your piece of uh, uh, parchment paper, Come forward, we're going to put it in the bowl, we're going to pray over it, and we're going to do a releasing.
in the bowl right up here. Come on up. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So I just wanted you to be mindful. It's a pilgrimage. When we come up and do this, it's a pilgrimage. Our bodies are involved. It's a kinesthetic experience. To honor your body. The way we access this unified field is through the senses. We feel our way into it. Now, there's something beautiful happening here. It's not just about a piece of paper. This is the metaphor. This is the example to have meaningful ritual in our lives. set an intention around this beautiful yeah sure yep just please put them in no need to comment so let's know that as we light this flame see where two or more are in agreement it is done and there are people right here right now that are ready for a new experience that are ready for to stand in grace to stand in beauty and maybe, and maybe the releasing is you're guided to an opportunity to, to learn something new uh, and, and to become an expert in some way. And I think that one of the things that, that as I mentioned, that to become an expert in is to bring mastery to the things that trigger us and to realize they've all come. They say enlightenment is the, the gap between triggering and gratitude. It's instantaneous, and that's what the great teachers taught. You know, even Jesus, when he was on the cross, said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, did that happen? Is it historical? I don't know. But I know it's true. He was modeling that same idea. So as I light this bowl, without burning my eyebrows off this year, <laughs> let us just know that something powerful is in, and beautiful is finding its way through us as we create this opening for ourselves individually, collectively as a community, and for the world that this energy that we share this day transforms the world. And so it is. <laughs> and they're all gone. Beautiful. No, eyelashes. No, I just burned a little bit of the inside of my coat here. That's all right. I'm moving this baby up one step for the next service. Yeah, get a match and throw it in, right? That's a nice idea. Yeah, they say that the, the United States government spent billions of dollars trying to find a pen that would write upside down in space, and the Russians gave them a pencil, so you'll figure. <laughs> All right, so here's our, here's our musicians. Thank you, bless you, and so it is.